Jimmy G lands in Vegas. And by the way, what are they thinking now that they're going to have to face old friend Darren Waller? We're going to get the answers to all that and more from Locked On Raiders host, your boy Q. That is coming your way next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chan. I'm your host. Welcome on in as we continue our look at the New York Giants 2023 regular season opponents. And uh, we are going out of order, mainly because, you know, some of our hosts are on vacation. So, but we do plan to get them all in. But today we are going to take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders with the one and only your boy Q, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Q, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Anytime you call and and want me to hop on your show, you know, it's always an honor. So I'm definitely uh, happy to be with you uh, here today. And I feel the same way about you. Anytime you need me, you know how to get get in touch with me. Q, we got a lot to talk about with this Raiders team, a lot. And uh, we might as well get started with the elephant in the room, and that's Jimmy G's health. What can you tell us about Jimmy G and where he is in his rehab? Well, I'll tell you right now, that's going to be the biggest question the big the biggest mystery when it comes to the Raiders and what they do in 2023 is you know how healthy is Jimmy G going to be if you go back and look at his history he's only had a one season in his career that he's actually completed the whole season right so uh, the odds are that he's going to get injured at some time so really that's kind of what has Raider Nation on the edge is is he going to be available for 15 games 16 games 17 games or five games, right? I mean, you just really don't know. But right now, as he's coming back from injury, coming back from that uh, that ankle surgery or that uh, foot surgery that he had to have uh, after the, or right before the Raiders decided to sign him, and that was of course, of course, that was a big to-do. But uh, it looks like he's on track for training camp. It looks like he's going to be able to start training camp. That's what everything I've heard is that he will be available. So that's a good step in the right direction. I guess no pun intended, but a good step in the right direction for him He's very familiar with Josh McDaniels. Uh, he's familiar with, you know, the the play calling, the the execution, the idea of his offense. Now he's got different players around him, obviously, and better players than he's really played with. I mean, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver, pure wide receiver he's ever had. Uh, he's got a guy in Jacoby Myers that he's excited about to play with. Jacoby's excited to play with him. And Josh Jacobs, assuming that that contract situation gets taken care of, is going to be a really good running back for him. With all that being said, it's always going to be, Pad, it's going to go as Jimmy G goes, right? As as, as far as he's uh, his health goes, if he's there, then it's all good. If he's not, well, then you've got Brian Hoyer, you've got Aiden O'Connell, and Aiden O'Connell's the rookie at, out of Purdue, fourth round pick. So uh, there's not a whole lot to get excited about there. So really, I think for Raider fans, they're just kind of on the edge of their seat, hoping that Jimmy G could be as healthy as possible. But right now, it looks like he's going to be good for training camp, which will start in a couple weeks. In retrospect, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty. you can't go back and undo it, but were you surprised that the Raiders made the trade for Jimmy G knowing that he had that injury? And at the time when they made the trade, who knew what, what his status was going to be? And, you know, the fact that they moved on from Derek Carr, did that, that just all surprise you? Well, I'll say this. I had heard rumblings for a long time that they were interested in Jimmy G, even going back to last year, that that could have been a possibility when San Francisco was very adamant that he wasn't going to be the guy until, 
well, he ended up being the guy, right? Because they couldn't move on from him. So I kept saying, like, there's no way that they'd go grab him with that injury history. Like, why would you go do that? You know, Derek Carr's not perfect, but the one thing you know about Derek Carr is he's available, right? I mean, he's always available. He's always out there. So I thought, at the very least, man, the best ability is availability, right? I mean, I, I subscribe to that. And so I knew that Derek was... Uh, available all the time. Well, Jimmy G is a guy that Josh McDaniels feels like he can open up the playbook for, and he can, you know, do and execute a lot more. And he just didn't feel like he could do that with Derek. And so, uh, you know, I, I knew that it was a possibility, a strong possibility they sign him. I just kept saying that there's no way that with all that injury history, they go and make that move, except for they went and made that move. So, you know, when he got his uh, press conference delayed, and it was due to to what they found in the physical. And then they had to go back and put some extra language into the contract. And then he got done, signed, sealed, and delivered. And he goes and has whatever surgery he needs to take care of. You know, it was very concerning. And, and Raider fans are, like I said, ready to jump off the cliff because it's like, man, the season could be potentially over before it ever gets started. But, you know, it's, it's the reality of the business. You want to have your guys in there. Every coach wants to do it. Josh McDaniels is no different. Now he has his guy. So let's see what he's able to do. But, yeah, it was it was – it was surprising to the, the point, not that it was his guy and he wanted him there. It was just surprising that the injury history was there and they still thought it was a really good idea to go get him. So how does the offense change with Jimmy G running it? I think the offense could be awesome, right? I mean, I really do. I think just, and I thought this last year, you know, full disclosure, I thought this last year as well with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, they were going to reignite that flame that they had at Fresno State. And, you know, for the most part, it works at times and then it did not so much at other times. But I think that with, Jimmy G's familiarity with this offense. I think he could do some really good things. I think that, you know, he's really good in the red zone. I know that he's really good in the red zone. If you look at the numbers and that's where the Raiders have struggled the most. So he's going to throw the ball into the red zone. They're going to get the guy to the ball to guys like Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Michael Mayer, the tight end. I know we'll talk about Darren Waller at some point. He comes in as a rookie second round pick out of Notre Dame. He's done phenomenal in the red zone. If you go back and look at his numbers in, at Notre Dame. So that's something to get excited about. Hunter Renfro still on the squad. So he's a guy that can do well in the red zone. And then Josh Jacobs, he can always, uh, you know, get into the end zone as well as he had touched 12 touchdowns last season. So I think this offense could really compete with just about anyone, but the asterisks that I always have to put in the conversation and I hate it because it's, as you know, you've covered the NFL for a long time. If you have to start the sentence with, if he could stay healthy, then it's never a good thing. Right. And so every time I talk about this offense, uh, I, my, my conversation is, well, if Jimmy's healthy, then if Jimmy can stay healthy, then well, if he's still available, then and that's no way to live. It's just too risky. It's like it's like playing Russian roulette. And, you know, at some point you're not going to live. Now, you mentioned a couple players that I want to talk about. And the first is Devonte Devonte Adams. Um, apparently there is some kind of um, discord brewing with him what can you tell us about that situation and how do you kind of see this playing out I think it was really overblown the situation between him and the front office and Josh it was really more of a situation of Aaron Rodgers was available Devontae Adams wants his old running buddy like hey you know if I'm not gonna be able to run with Derek Carr let me go get uh you know Aaron Rodgers and play with the guy that I'm very familiar with that we had some magic with and oh by the way we'll probably give this team an opportunity to win right away and look it makes all the sense in the world to me, too. Like, I thought, okay, that makes sense. If Derek's not going to be the guy, why not Aaron Rodgers? But we all know that it was going to come with a cost. Uh, you knew that Aaron Rodgers cost a lot of money and also it was going to take a, a, a trade to go get him where they signed Jimmy as a you know free agent. So uh, there's there's a lot of things to like, but but I don't think that everything that, that came out, all the reports about him unhappy and all that, I mean, he even came out and, and he insisted during the mandatory minicamp that he was one of the first ones to go talk to the media. It was like, look, 
that I am not upset with the team. We are good. Dave is my guy. Josh is my guy. And a little bit of that is trying to, you know, trying to calm down the room or whatever and, and do a little bit of, uh, you know, saving, saving the, you know, himself and, and all that other stuff. I'm sure that he was disappointed that Aaron's not in the mix, but he's on board with Jimmy. He also said that he only talked to us. So he let Jimmy know that he wasn't upset and that he wanted to, you know, wanted to go play with them. So, uh, Devontae is cool. He's excited to be a Raider. He said he's excited to try to get this team back to where they need to be. Uh, he's happy to be on the West Coast. That was a team that he rooted for growing up. So there's a lot to like about Devontae Adams. I'm excited about what he'll bring to the table year two uh, with the Raiders. All right. Now, I want to also ask you about Josh Jacobs, because we yeah. in New York, obviously, we know what kind of know what you're going through because we have yeah. Saquon Barkley on the uh, franchise tag. And, you know, that deadline is coming up. Uh, before we know it, what can you tell us about the situation with Josh Jacobs? And also, in, in, you, in your case, you have a guy by the name of Samir White, who I think can potentially become an RB1 someday. How is he? How is his presence kind of impacting, you think, the situation with Jacobs? Well, I think that the staff, Dave Ziegler and company, have a certain number that they're comfortable spending. Right. I mean, right. As as Saquon Barkley is holding the $10 million franchise tag, so is Josh Jacobs. And I think that they're comfortable with Josh Jacobs playing on that one year deal. I think that they've offered him a deal that's a multi-year deal. And they're probably saying, hey, this is the best that we're going to do. This is our final offer. You look at what they did in New England with the Patriots. Those guys, I mean, they don't spend big money on running backs. And, you know, they they don't really spend big money on running backs, period, in the NFL anymore, regardless. And so uh, contract years are always dangerous. Guys go out and have monster seasons. Then they go and get a big time contract. And then maybe they're not that same guy, uh, you know, immediately the following year or two years from there. So I think that they've set a certain number. I know Josh Jacobs putting out a few little cryptic messages on Instagram. You know, the latest one said that I'm not even going to entertain it for real. Uh, another one said bad business. Another one said, you know, villain ter- or hero turned villain, you know, all this. So he's letting it be known that obviously he's not happy with the way negotiations are going. And I don't honestly think that there's big time negotiations going on. I think they ba- bottom line said, OK, this is what we're going to give you. This is what we're going to offer you. Take it or leave it. And most likely when that contract, when that date comes up the 17th, more than likely or not, they're probably going to have to, you know, decide if he's going to play on the one-year franchise tag or not. I just, I don't see how this is going to get done as far as a long-term deal done multi-years. I think it's in, it's going to end up being a one-year deal, $10 million, which is still more money than he would have got on the fifth-year option, which would have only been $8 million, and it's fully guaranteed. So I don't think Josh Jacobs is crazy enough to leave that kind of money on the table. We've seen running backs try to do that, and it doesn't really work. So go get the money and decide what you're going to do following year. But I think that's how it's ultimately going to play out, one-year, $10 million for Josh Jacobs. All right, we're talking with your boy Q. He is the host of the Lock on Raiders podcast. And coming up, we're going to talk about tight ends. So don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for some pants and shorts that offer a good fit, are made of high quality material, and just look good, then you got to check out Bird Dogs. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Bird Dogs uses a special fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. My husband absolutely loves his shorts and his pants, and he's been wearing it around the house this summer and also in the yard when doing some yard work. And he always talks about how cool he's kept when he comes in from the hot, humid weather, from cutting the grass or trimming the hedges or whatever it is he does outside. So if he loves them and he's picky about his pants and shorts, I know you will love them as well. And right now, when you order Bird Dogs, they will throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler. Just go to birddogs.com slash lockonnfl to get your free gift. 
That's birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. Check them out, folks. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got your host, Patricia Trena. You got your boy Q. He is the host of the Locked on Raiders podcast. And we're talking Raiders who are on the Giants 2023 schedule. And now we've got to talk tight ends because mm-hmm. the Giants and the Raiders engaged in a trade that I don't think a lot of people saw coming earlier. You know, this trade taking place earlier in the year, the Raiders sending Darren Waller to the New York Giants for a third round pick, the pick that the Giants got as part of the Kadarius Tony trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Q, first off, were you surprised that the Raiders gave up and moved on from Waller? And 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 what's it going to be like, do you think, for, for the Raiders to have to play him if, here's those words that you were mentioning earlier, if he's healthy? <laughs> right. There's no doubt. And that's the thing about it, man. Darren Waller is a guy that all Raider fans are always going to really appreciate and, and cheer for. You know, he's been in in Vegas uh, the last few couple weeks, you know, either at uh, basketball games, uh, the Aces games, watching his wife, Kelsey Plum, or, you know, just around town doing some things. He has a, a benefit that he's had around town. And, you know, he's he's still here. So he gets a lot of love from from Raider fans. Like the reality of it was, I just don't think that he really meshed with this staff. They tried to extend his contract. Uh, he was there in training camp early last year. Uh, he wasn't working out. They were saying that he was, and I say in air quotes, you know, injured. Uh, he had a hamstring injury, but most people like myself looked at it as really like a sit-in where he was there in training camp, so he couldn't get fined, but he also wasn't going to do anything until he got the contract extension. So he gets the contract extension. There's smiles around. Everyone's happy. All is good. And then he gets injured. And then I really think he did get injured, you know, and then just had the, the hamstring injury. And, you know, there was times when Derek Carr would go to the podium and say some things. And, you know, the time that Derek cried on the podium and was talking about there's he what he does and everything he uh, has to do to, to get prepared and play on Sunday. And there's some guys that aren't putting in the work. And, you know, a lot of us believe he was calling out Darren Waller. And and then they said that it wasn't he was calling out Darren Waller. But, I mean, I could read between the lines. I'm not a dummy. So it felt like it was very obvious that uh, he wasn't happy with Waller's efforts to get back onto the field. And, you know, reality is in the past couple seasons, he just hasn't been available as much as he should be and they wanted to be. And that's the reason why I thought the offense was going to be fantastic last year because, man, you have – Derek, you have Devontae, you have Darren, you have Hunter Renfro. I mean, man, what's not to like about that offense, right? Josh Jacobs, and it just didn't work. Hunter was out for the most of the season. Waller was out most of the season. Derek got benched, uh, you know, after Christmas Eve. I mean, it was like, it was one thing after the other happened, but uh, I think Waller's still a really good player, and I think the Raider Nation will salute him when, uh, you know, when the Giants come to Allegiant Stadium. But at the end of the day, you know, if he's playing, I mean, he's, 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 just the other guy on the other side of the table, right? I mean, they went out and got Michael Mayer. They feel good about him. He's more of a traditional style tight end, not really the athletic dude like Darren Waller is. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit different, but I think that they like what Mayer brings to the table because not only is he going to be able to catch the ball, and he's been able to catch passes from some of the worst quarterbacks ever if you look at Notre Dame and the guys throwing in the ball. He did really well there, and I mentioned before in the red zone, he did really well there, but he's a good blocker too, and that's where Darren struggled was trying to seal the edge and allow Josh Jacobs to get outside. So they used to have to bring in an extra offensive lineman for their jumbo package, you know, and it was basically a glorified tight end, but you knew that they weren't throwing the ball to him. So now Michael Mayer is in the mix. And so now he's out there. He can block and he can catch. So now when you see him out there, it's not like you say, okay, well, this is a run because they're not throwing it to that guy. Now the threat of of either, you know, him blocking or catching the ball is there. So, uh, it, you know, 
I think it was a time to go. It just didn't look like those two, uh, the staff and, and Darren fit together with each other. But, you know, like I said, always root for Darren because he's a good dude and his story is incredible and, and just think he's a hell of a player. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he does great things in uh, in New York. You've been talking about the Raiders skill position players, but you haven't said much about the offensive line. What's the status yeah. with the Raiders offensive line? Um, have they strengthened it or, or are you still concerned about it? You know, it's funny. I, I probably disrespect them all the time without trying to disrespect them because I don't talk about them that often. But, you know, all they did last year is help Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing. So, you know, it was a while before they really uh, gelled. Matter of fact, the first five, six weeks of the season, it was almost a rotating door. They honestly did not have a starting five, which I thought was almost like career suicide. Like you can't do that. You've got it. That's the one unit that's got to be. Uh, one cohesive unit, and they've got to grow together. They've got to know what the right hand's doing and the left hand's doing and all that, and it didn't for a while. And then finally it clicked, and something clicked. They haven't done a whole lot to upgrade it. They uh, went out and signed a couple undrafted free agents. They brought in a couple free agents to, uh, you know, to 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 kind of add competition when training camp opens up. But for the most part, I think that they're going to run it back. There may be a slight change here, a slight change there. Uh, maybe Alex Bars is the guard. Maybe he's not there, and someone else slides in that position, but Dylan Parham was a rookie last year, a third-round pick out of Memphis. He played all season. He played every single game. I mean, he's he's going to be there again. Uh, Andre James is doing a really good job at the center position. Colton Miller is still solid at the left tackle position. So, you know, there's there's a few positions. Jermaine or Luminor did pretty well, so I think he might be the starting right tackle. There may be a couple tweaks at offensive line, but I think for the most part, they are feel comfortable, pretty comfortable with what they were able to do last year and then having the ability to run it back and do it again. So... Overall, would you say other than maybe Jimmy's health, which may or may not be, you know, headed in the right direction, does this Raiders offense have any weaknesses that you are concerned about? Um, not really. Honestly, I, I don't I don't I don't concern myself with the offense at all. I think that they have everybody in the right position to be able to make the plays that they need. I mean, look, last season, Mac Hollins, who is a glorified special teamer, uh, and he's a wide receiver also, but I mean he's a glorified special teamer. He really ended up be, becoming wide receiver number two because Darren was out, Hunter was out. It was Devontae Adams and Matt Collins. Now they have Jacoby Myers, who in New England was wide receiver number one. So I, I think that that's been upgraded. Again, Josh Jacobs, as long as he returns to the backfield, he'll be good. Samir White, you mentioned him earlier. I think he'll spell him. Guy out of Georgia, he can he can run. He's, he's similar to Josh Jacobs. So I think that the offense will be just fine. My biggest question when it comes to the Raiders in 2023, outside of Jimmy's health, is can that defense come together? And we'll talk about that defense coming up. But first, I want to ask you, before we we uh, take a, another break, give me a rookie report. I know, you know, we just got done with the spring yeah. pre- football practices, you know, pads. They weren't in pads. You know, it was just shorts and shells at that much. Uh, so you can't tell because guys aren't hitting. But what have you seen from the rookies, the draft class? What has you excited? And what has you, you know, still wondering how it's going to play out? Well, it's 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 funny because I think that finally the Raiders had a, a legit draft class. Uh, Dave Ziegler, GM, had nine picks in this draft where he didn't have that last year because they made the trade for Devontae Adams. But their first round pick, number seven overall, Tyree Wilson, I think he's going to be really good. He's also coming back from a foot surgery that he had that ended his last year at Texas Tech. But uh, he's a really good pass rusher that I think is very raw. So he's going to be able to help out Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and probably eventually be the replacement of Chandler Jones. We didn't get to see him because, like I said, he's still coming back from that that injury. But uh, tight end Michael Mayer, uh, I mentioned him multiple times. I think he's the one I'm most excited about. I just think he brings the most to the table immediately. I'm excited about him. Uh, the thing about the draft class, 
and they got six guys on the defensive side of things. And, and as I mentioned, that the defense has to step up. They have guys that all have production. And what I mean by that is guys that either on the defensive side of things have got to the quarterback and have found a way to get get you know get home and get sacks or if it's in the secondary guys that are able to come up with interceptions or force fumbles or create turnovers the Raiders just don't get their hands on the quarterback enough and they don't get their hands on the ball enough and all the guys that were drafted by Dave Ziegler on the defensive side of things they all have that production which I think is super important guys that know how to do it what it looks like they're going to be able to translate that to the NFL instead of a guy that doesn't have any career interceptions and thinking, okay, we're going to put him in center field and he's going to be a ball hawk. It doesn't translate like that. So uh, I think that the Raiders were able to get some good guys. We'll obviously know a lot more in training camp, but for the most part, they seem pretty excited about the guys right now. All right. We are talking with your boy Q. He is the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. He's given us the lowdown on the Las Vegas Raiders, whom the Giants will see in 2023. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Raiders defense, which is probably the biggest question mark. Don't go anywhere, Giant fans. Hey, Giant fans, if you run a small business, you know that these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, don't you? So that's why you want to be sure to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used, have used LinkedIn Jobs to find aspiring writers and editors for the Giants Country website that I run for, uh, over at SI's Fan Nation Network. And the process is not only super easy, but a big time saver. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools such as screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back. You got Patricia Trainer here on the Locked On Giants podcast, joined by my colleague, your boy Q. He is the host of Locked On Raiders, giving us everything we need to know about the Las Vegas Raiders. And Q, you mentioned the, the defense being a problem, and they yep. were last year. I think they ranked at or near the bottom in just about every major everything. statistical category. They are uh, run by former New York Giants defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. Let's start off by getting your assessment. Was it the players? Was it the scheme? Why was that defense such a problem last year for the Raiders? I think it was a little bit of everything, to be 100% honest with you. I think what Pat Graham wanted to do, he didn't have the players to do it. And when he tried to dumb it down and and try to simplify things, um, you know, teams, offensive coordinators, and, and these players are really good. Right. I mean, the, the one thing that I heard from all the coaches last year a lot was the the easier you make the scheme defensively for the guys to understand, the easier it's going to be for the other team to de- defeat that. Like if you're going to do that, you've got to be the best of the best. And when you look at the players that the Raiders had on defense, they didn't have the best of the best. They didn't have guys that like the old Seattle Seahawks that were, in, you know, the Legion of Boom, where they were able to dumb it down, but they were just so stinking good that they excelled. The Raiders didn't have that. They didn't have guys that. Pat Graham's words, you know, he needed smart, intelligent football players. The the Raiders didn't really have that where they could pick up the scheme that he's trying to run. So, you know, they went out and get a lot of guys. And I I think that they'll have an opportunity 
to really implement what he really wants to do. But there's going to be a lot of attention on Pat Graham this year. He's going to have to figure it out because, again, that defense was bad outside of Max Crosby. A lot of guys on that defense need to step up. So we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, just to answer your question, I think it was a combination of both. The players weren't up to par, and the scheme and the coaching wasn't up to par either. And you mentioned that the Raiders in their draft class, I think, more heavily focused on the defensive side of the ball. Who are some of the names, you know, to keep an eye on? And are they upgrades over what they had? Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I think that they are. But again, until we actually see it, we won't know, right? I mean, Tyree Wilson, I'm very excited about him out of Texas Tech, the first round pick. Uh, I didn't think he was going to last till number seven overall. He did. The Raiders got him. He's a long lengthy dude he's very similar in in size to Chandler Jones and Max Crosby as far as his wingspan goes and everything so he has an ability and opportunity to be a really good player I'm excited about him uh Ja'Korian Bennett he was a fourth round pick a a corner out of Maryland Uh, but he's a guy that's got ball production you know and that's something I talked about before a guy that had five uh, interceptions the last two seasons there in Maryland Chris Smith in the back end, a safety out of Georgia, two-time national champion, six interceptions the last two seasons in, in Georgia. I mean, there's guys like that that I'm excited about. Byron Young, defensive tackle out of Alabama, five sacks the last year you know, at Alabama. So he finally was able to get home. He's a run stuffer, but he was finally able to, to get home and get to the quarterback as well. So that's more production. Again, getting to the quarterback or getting their hands on the ball. You know, guys like that is what, you know, it kind of excites me. So those are those are guys that that you can look at and say, okay, how is this player going to play out? Are they are they going to get the production that they're expecting from them? How early can they get onto the field? You know, they had uh, a linebacker that they took out of Florida that uh, was a converted safety and turned linebacker in uh, Amari Bernie, and he's a guy that had a few interceptions as well. So he looks like he could be a player. I mean, there's there's a lot to like, but again, it's so early and you haven't really seen them out there you don't know if it's going to translate to the nfl game but just from what they were able to do in college it gives you at least it gives you hope when you look at the matchups the raider offense versus the giants defense the giants offense versus the raider defense what are some of the matchups that concern you at the as of this you know juncture um well that's a good question um i know that well the giants have obviously upgraded their their weapons around Daniel Jones. I'm interested to see if Daniel Jones can build off what he did last year after getting the contract from, from the giants. Can he continue to build and show that he can be that guy? Cause I, I honestly still question it a little bit until I see it. Like I always say, I like to be late to the party instead of early. I don't want to be the first guy there. I want to be the, you know, the guy fashionably late. And it's like, Hey, that's cool. At least I'm here now, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, I honestly think that, you know, that it could be a pretty even matchup. I think, honestly, the probably the best matchup and maybe the scariest matchup when it comes to the Giants and the, and the Raiders is probably Brian Dayball and Josh McDaniels. I respect the hell out of Brian Dayball. I think he's a really good staking coach, and I guess it'd be Brian Dayball against Patrick Graham or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the dynamic there, but just what pa- Brian Dayball was able to do with, the, with Daniel Jones and basically everyone that he inherited. I mean, it wasn't like he went out and made a bunch of mass changes the first year, and he was able to do some things with the Giants. It made them a very respectable team. It made a lot of people uh, very excited about what brings to the table. So I, I think it might be the chess match between Dayball and McDaniels uh, as the biggest matchup nightmare, you know. And again, the defense with the Giants offense, you know, can the defense start to gel, right? I mean, that's that's the one thing. Look, the Raiders gave up, was it Thursday night football against Baker Mayfield? The the Rams had to go 98 yards with no timeouts, score a touchdown to win the game. And you know what they did? They went 98 yards with no timeouts and scored a touchdown to win the game on Thursday night football. Like, that can't happen. 
You know, they were up 20 nothing on Arizona, on Kyler Murray in our Arizona week two at home. You know what they did? They lost. They scored three points in the second half, and they lost that game. I mean, it's just stuff like that. They can't give up those kind of leads. They can't have all these leads and then find a way to blow them. So that's what I'm really looking at the, the defense. Can they complement the offense? The offense could be good, like I mentioned, but the defense has got to complement them, create a few turnovers. They didn't do any of that, right? They had six interceptions in 2022 and 27 sacks. That's just not going to get it done. So they need to be able to create turnovers and get their hands on the quarterback as well and get them to the ground. So uh, I just kind of look at the the coaches as the biggest chess pieces because I think Brian Dayball is one hell of a coach and very well respected. And, of course, he, like McDaniels, comes from the Belichick tree, the Saban tree. Speaking of coaches, is McDaniels on the hot seat, do you think? Or if if, can he get by if, God forbid, he has another bad year? I think he's good to go, honestly. Uh, and I know Raider fans don't want to hear that. Raider fans are ready to run him out of town the minute that he signed his contract. You know, they nobody liked him because he was a Patriot coach, an ex-Patriot coach. And, you know, he's Joshua Daniels, and he left the Colts at the altar, and he played – or he coached in Denver, and nobody likes him. You know, there's so many different reasons not to like Joshua Daniels. But I think that Mark Davis, the owner, has an understanding of what this plan is supposed to look like. Him and Dave Ziegler came in together, similar to John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And I think that that's the, the mold that they're looking at. Okay, we want to do what they did, right? And, and you, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took a few lumps early on. Then they finally found their quarterback. Then they were able to get their defense together. Then they were able to get that thing turned around. And now the 49ers are a really good team, and it seems like it don't matter what quarterback they throw in there, they've got something going, right? So I think that's what they're trying to do is emulate what San Francisco was able to do with Shanahan and and uh, and uh, John Lynch when they came in together. So I don't think that that McDaniels is, is going anywhere anytime soon. As long as he doesn't just drop off the face of the earth this year, right? They went 6-11 and 11 last year. If all of a sudden they go – six and 11 and they're getting blown out of these games and they look like they're not uh, well prepared. They look like they're confused. They just, if they look like a mess then I can see Mark, Mark Davis saying, all right, you're out of here. But as long as they're close in all these games and they're competitive and they look in the part and you can see that the effort never drops off and you know, maybe they're even getting better. I think he's going to be good to go. I think next year will be a, a, a hot seat year for Joshua Daniels, but I don't think it's going to be this year. All right, and then finally, Q, I got to ask you about this. Tom Brady decided to invest in the Raiders. Yeah. What's that all about? And could there be a possibility that if things don't work out with Jimmy G and the quarterbacks, could Brady maybe come out of retirement? Well, you ask Brady and he says no. He says there's no chance if you ask him, right? I haven't got a chance to talk to him, but everything he said from all the reports, no, he's happy being retired. He's happy being with his family. He just wants to invest in the Raiders because, well, he wants to be on that side of things. He wants to be a minority owner. Uh, He's not a majority owner. He's not making business decisions, but he is you know, got part of the ownership, and he's part of the LVAs's ownership as well. So he's already in partnership with Mark Davis. I know Mark Davis is a big Brady fan. Uh, He did want Brady to – uh, be a part of the the Raiders when when there was the the speculation that he was going to go from the Patriots to the Raiders and that whole deal got you know John Gruden basically said no to that deal so that was fine I mean he's not going to ever make a, a decision uh, he's going to let the football to sit you know minds make those decisions so he's not going to do that but I know that Mark Davis is a big fan of Brady they're in partnership already with the Aces it makes sense that he's going to be in partnership with the Raiders but I don't see him being a quarterback for the team, if worst case scenario comes like Jimmy G gets hurt and he's going to be out for the majority of the season. I think too many things would have to happen 
for Brady to be that guy, right? I think the uh, the other owners in the league would have to vote on it and approve it. He'd also have to sell the minority share of it. And it hasn't even been approved that he's a minority owner yet, right? I mean, it's going to happen, I think, at the next owners' meetings, uh, which is coming up in a few weeks or so. And so I think that, that that's when it'll be approved. But I just don't see him going through all this just to come out of retirement, just to sell off some of his ownership, just to play again. If that was the case, I think he'd put it on hold and say, hey, you know what? I am kind of interested in maybe playing, so let's not do this ownership thing because then the owners would get to vote on it. Right now, I'm a free agent. If I want to sign with the Raiders, I can sign with the Raiders right now. So I, I don't think that that's going to happen, but it is kind of interesting seeing him be a part of the silver and black. Kind of also surprising because you would have thought that maybe he might get a little piece of the Patriots, but right. I guess the Patriots just, you know, Robert Kraft wasn't willing to give a little piece of the team to him. So it is an interesting storyline um, that, you know, kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. So, yeah. All right. He is your boy Q, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. You can check him out just like me. I'm on Monday through Friday. You can check the Locked On Raiders podcast out Monday through Friday as well for everything on the Las Vegas Raiders. Q, thank you so much for coming on with me. Appreciate you as always, my friend. Giant fans, thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked On Giants podcast. Make sure you keep it here. We continue our look at the New York Giants 2023 opponents. We've got Green Bay coming up. we got Dallas coming up. We've got, uh, we're just going down the list. So just keep tuning in and you'll see who I have on each new day. For your boy Hugh, I am Patricia Trena. We will see you tomorrow, Giant fans.